As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Couple questions to get started. When's the last time somebody blessed you? I mean, did something for you that you maybe didn't expect? Maybe it was a word of encouragement. Maybe it was an act of kindness. I don't know. Somebody helped you rake the leaves. Somebody paid for lunch. Maybe that husband of yours finally took out the trash. How about this? When's the last time you blessed somebody else? Because it's not just about giving. It's about receiving. And so how did you or have you recently blessed someone? I stand here with a new Bible, brand new Bible, Pastor Craig blessed me with this wonderful new Bible along with our location pastors. This is fine Italian grain leather. Corinthian, marbled. I just made that up. I don't know if it really is. <laughs> but it looks really good and it smells really good. And I love a brand new Bible. And these guys were really, really generous. And they gave me this Bible. And I love it. I'm, it's like a teaching Bible. And um, I'm not exactly sure exactly why they gave me the large print, though. So I'm not sure if I needed that. But in all seriousness, when did somebody bless you? Because we want to be a blessing to each other, don't we? Last question. Said all that to say this. How can we maximize God's blessing, not only to us, but to all those people around us, even our church, multiply, maximize God's blessing. How can we receive more from God so that we can give? Well, to answer that question, I'm gonna to turn to Galatians chapter six. The apostle Paul answers it by giving us six ways to increase, to maximize, to multiply the blessing of almighty God. Why? Well, not just for ourselves, but more importantly, for everyone else, for the people around you, for the people in our church. I want to talk about blessing because that's where this goes, Galatians, this book we've been studying. Go ahead, if you haven't turned there yet, turn to Galatians chapter six. If you're new, if you're watching online and you haven't been with us, we're in a series, and this series we've been identifying the steps to freedom in Christ. And there's nine of them in this letter today Huge accomplishment, we're at step nine. Come on, give yourselves a hand. And so we've been studying this letter and we're gonna cover all of chapter six. We've got 18 verses to cover today and it's all about blessing. It's all about maximizing God's blessing. So let me go ahead and read starting in verse one of Galatians six. Brothers, if anyone's caught any transgressions, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So it's interesting, Paul's telling us always, hey, make sure to keep an eye on yourself, look in the mirror. Make sure you practice what you preach. He says next, bear with one another's burdens so you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he's something when he is nothing, he deceives himself, but let each one test his own work. There it is again, self-examination. And then his reasons to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, 
that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing this to you with my own hand? It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Remember, Paul's talking about adding things to the gospel, whatever those things might be. And as for all who walk by this rule, he's talking about the word of truth that he's teaching. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Interesting way to see and refer to the people of God as the Gentiles have been grafted in. Look, he says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Brothers, amen. Father, thank you for this letter. Thank you for what we've been learning as a church family. I pray for your spirit to move now and for you to speak to us. Help us to understand how we can be a blessing to others because you bless us. May we do the same. If you agree with that prayer, simply say amen. Seven ways to maximize, to multiply blessing. Blessing not just for you, more importantly for the people around you, for the people in your home, for the people in your neighborhood, for the people in our church. That's where we're headed. So note taker, go ahead and write this down. The first way is to keep restoring people. That's the job of the church. That's what we're all about. The church is a restoration center. The church is like a hospital. We've got six hospitals, including Stateville, all over the place. Six churches that call themselves High Point. And we are like High Point General. What's our mission? To restore. That's what we are called to do. This is a message that unites all of us. That's what these churches in the New Testament were called to do. Look what Paul says. He says, brothers, and I'll throw in sisters too, because he's talking to the whole. He says, if anyone is caught, and he says, in any transgression. And what's interestingly here is that caught is if I knowingly or unknowingly get involved in something some sin, something that's not good for me. So I can know and get involved and know it's wrong and still do it. I can maybe not know that it's not wrong. I can be ignorant to the fact until somebody points it out, he's including both. He says, you who are spiritual, restore him. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, are you spiritual? Go ahead and do it right now. Just turn it, are you spiritual? Because that's what he's talking about. He's like, hey, who's the spiritual ones? Who are the ones that are spiritual? Hey, if you're spiritual, you gotta show some stuff. You have to restore. That word restore, if we double click on that, in the original language, it means to put back together, to put in order. It literally means to return to original condition. It's what my mom used to do. She was an antique dealer and she would bring home these desks and these tables and these chairs. And we're like, this stuff is junk. And then she would refinish it and she would stain it and she would polish it. And 
and it would be restored to a valuable piece that she could sell. It's what a doctor does when you go to the hospital. You rush to the hospital because your child broke their arm. And what do the doctor have to do? Sometimes they have to re-break it. Everybody say, ouch. But it's for the good. And then what happens? They put it in a cast. Why? To immobilize it. Because over time, it's going to heal. And so that's what the church is. We are a restoration factory. If we want God's blessing, brothers and sisters, if somebody you know, whether they know it or not, are involved in sin, in any kind of sin, you who are the spiritual ones, hey, your job is to restore them. How? In a spirit of judgment? In a spirit of condemnation? In a, in a, no, it doesn't say that. What does it say? You tell me gentleness, good audience participation. It's gentleness that, that, that I'm going to do it with gentleness and gentleness we've learned. And we've taught this in the past is like Jesus in grace and truth, grace and truth. This is taught all over at all of our ministries, too much truth and not enough grace. What happens? You're beating people over the head with this brand new Bible. I don't want to do that, but it's brutality. And so truth without grace is brutality, but then grace without truth, what's that? Well, it's enabling. We're enabling something to go on that shouldn't go on. And so we at the church, we care for each other. We love each other. We want to help each other. We're a restoration factory. Why? Verses that were read to Jody and I before right before we, uh, after we became Christians, before we had any desire to go into ministry to do anything. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 changed our life. You may know it. Therefore, if anyone is a new creation, the old has passed and the new has come. But then you look down at verses 18 and 19. This is the verses I want to write on your heart. I want to write on our church's heart, on our network church's heart, and all the churches that call themselves High Point and we're associated with that what? Well, he says, I've given you the ministry and the message of reconciliation. That's what God has given you. You say, I'm not equipped. Doesn't matter. He does it through us. Amen. He gives us the ministry and the message of restoration. That's the church. That's what you and I are. We are the church. That's what we've been given. I love how Paul Tripp says it. He says it, that the church is not a theological classroom. It's a conversion, confession, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness, and sanctification center where flawed people place their faith in Christ and they gather to know and to love him better and learn to love others as he designed. That's the church. Emphasis on these verses though. Not just the non-believer who doesn't know, but the believer who has fallen, that we need to restore each other. This has been a second chance church from day one. And I got to tell you, I'll show you the emails. I'll show you. Yeah, let's praise the Lord. I'll show you the emails. I'll show you the, the, the texts that I've gotten from people. Oh, the, it's even pastors. Hey, did you know they're coming to your church? Well, you can't have them serve. Can't, can't get them. Do you know what they did? I know about you but I don't want to be date stamped for who I was. But we are new in Christ. And if we want God's blessing, we got to have open eyes to see people for how Jesus sees them and not how we see them. We got to keep on restoring people. 
keep restoring leads to the second thing. How? We, we got to keep bearing burdens. And so burdens need to be kept. We need to keep bearing them. And so if you look at the text, interestingly, burdens in, in, in the original language and, and bear, we're going to define these terms, to bear is to carry. And it's, it's just what I'm doing with this duffel bag here. And, and so I'm carrying it. It's really heavy. Why? Well, because it's filled. It's filled with burdens. And burdens in the original Greek language, it's like it's literally a stone. A burden is a stone that you carry. And so I filled this with bricks as an example that these are the stones, the bricks. These are the burdens that people carry. Now, what's the text say? Bear one another's burdens. So what that means is that I'm not supposed to carry this all myself. But I see people, and this is how I see people come in. You got this? And I'm telling you, you're struggling. And you can barely keep it. And, and, and what the text is saying is that, no, you, you could, could, could you take one of these, please, for me? Could, could, you, could you take a burden, burden for me? Thanks, Vernon. Could, could you guys take some burdens for me? Aren't you glad you didn't sit in the front row? <laughs> you're like, I don't want to take any of these, but I'm telling you that, that, that if you take them, then, then it allows me to be able to, to hold this. And, and so this is the illustration. You say, well, why don't you give all the bricks away so you don't have any burdens? Good question. Bible church, let the Bible answer it. Look at verse five. Verse five tells us, for each will have to bear his own load. So that's a different Greek word. That's a different Greek word. This one is about, it's used of in the military. And it's used, thank you for carrying my burden, by the way. Could you lift it up a little higher to the Lord? Thank you very much. You could probably go up and down a little bit and get a little workout in by the time. But, but this is a different one, the Greek word here. And it's about an individual. It's referred to as a soldier who's, who's carrying his arms. And so there's some things we're going to carry. But we don't carry it ourselves. This is the truth of the gospel, isn't it? We carry it with Jesus. We carry it in the Lord. And so he gives us the strength to carry the burdens that we have that we cannot give over, but we're all supposed to work together. And so what are the burdens? What's in the bag that, I'm not taking my burdens back. You guys take those for me. What, what's in the bag? Well, how about this? Take a look at the screen. Last week, we had people come up at the worship services at all of our locations, and we had people write down burdens, prayer requests. I took them, our team did, and what we did is we, we, we divided them into these buckets. And so 27% of the requests, the stage was filled. Were you here last week? Did you see it? I mean, you know, a bunch of people responded. 27% uh, percent of them were for peace and hope and hard times. These are all of our locations. 27%, I love this, it was for salvation of a loved one. That you're praying, you have a burden for the person that you know to come to Christ. And maybe it's a family member or a friend or return to him. And, and we had 21% physical healing. They're struggling. 12% relational healing. I mean, we're getting ready to have Thanksgiving and celebrate. You gonna have all the family over? They get to invite you? I mean, there's just so much relational healing, even with the people that we love. Am I speaking truth? 
And, and, and how about financial healing? 7%, the difficult times we find ourselves in today. And, and addictions and struggles. And so, so this is to help us to, to carry the burden. And so these are the burdens at high point. So, so how is it exactly? And now we're gonna dive right in. This might be the most important part of the message for some. This is now 23 years at the same church. Jody and I started this church 23 years ago with a small group of people. This is what I've seen. And just let me bear my heart as I've seen people come in because we, we don't do it right. And so I know we got to get out of a row and into a circle. I know, I know all that. You got to get with people. But let's dig in now so you're in with people. What are we supposed to do? This is what I've learned and what I've seen. And there's tears on this. Five essentials to bearing burdens at high point. You got to be transparent. You got to ask for help. You got to come and ask someone for help. And so many times I've sat with people, I've sat with pastors and other ministries, and, and I've had people say, I know Craig has too, and what they've said is, you, know what? You, you, you don't know if I don't tell you. And so if you don't tell me or tell someone and ask for help, then, then you're in trouble. We've got to ask. You're like this guy. Check out this picture. We've shown this before. I give him credit for ingenuity, right? He's carrying the couch and he's just using the chair. He's doing all my, that's what we do with the burden. We think we're strong and we can do it ourselves and do it on our own strength. Second thing is this, and again, this is just what I've learned. We gotta be vulnerable. And so I've taught this in the past that the difference between transparency and vulnerability is like this table. And we can be transparent and dump all the bricks on the table. And in your small group and in our hope groups, we can all be like, and admit it. And you know, have the time in the service where everybody comes up and confesses their sin. But if it just stops there, it, it ain't gonna, you're not gonna solve it. And so it's vulnerability is to put everything on the table that you would have the honest, trans, uh, excuse me, transparency is to put everything on the table that you would be honest enough to do it. But vulnerability is to say, can you help me with a plan to get this figured out so that in the next three months, six months, and a year, I'm not in the same place? That's vulnerability. If you know the difference, go ahead and give me your hand raised. That's what I'm talking about. And the third thing is this. We're going to go through this. Connectivity. And how many times we've developed a plan, we've gotten people together, we've got small group leaders involved, we've got elders involved, we've got coaches involved, we've got everybody involved, and then somebody leaks and they are not connected. The person that wants help, it, does, it ghosts the text. Like, I'm just telling you, I saw this. It's, you gotta be faithful to help, but you gotta be faithful to want to be help. And the next thing, is this making sense? Honesty. Like, I can think back, and this is what, this is what makes it really good about being at the church. So everybody's thinking, oh, I know who he's talking about. You have no idea who I'm talking about. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, some of these stories are from the first three years of our church. I remember sitting at home in West Chicago, I can remember putting a plan together. I can remember, and then the person stopped. The person was upset. The person was upset with me. The per and, and why? Because we never circled back to say, hey, did the plan we come together, it, is it helping? And, and, and we just gotta be honest. And is it helping? If it's not helping, let's readjust. Let's retool. Let's call an audible. You don't want my help. How about if I get somebody that you like? I mean, that's what it takes to bear burdens. Then lastly, it's just this, it's a maturity. And this is the one that grieves me more than any of the ones right here. The blind can't help the blind. And sometimes 
your friend, I love them, they love the Lord, they, they give you good advice, but you gotta have a seasoned veteran. I'm not just saying some pastor, I'm just saying somebody who has walked that specific thing ahead of you. And, and you gotta seek mature help, not just help that are gonna say and agree with you and say good, but somebody who's been there and been through what you're going through. That's how we bear burdens, make sense? So how are we going to receive God's blessing? And please, my heart is, I've just walked too many with people. And, and we just, this is what we need to do. And this is what you need to do. If we want to be blessed. Sometimes we want the blessing without the hard work. Sometimes we want the blessing without the dependency. Sometimes we just want blessing. I want to bless you. I want the Lord to bless us. I want the Lord to bless everybody around you. It takes bearing burdens. It takes keeping doing what? Restoring people. It takes, third thing is this, growing in generosity. And so we gotta grow in generosity. And so I just gotta, you know, now it's like this is the family chat part of the message. If you're new, um, just, I don't know, go grab a coffee or something. I'm carrying a burden. And I'm just, I'm just gonna be honest. And it's a big one. And I, you know, I, I, I like to, I, I take too much on myself as a founding pastor. Um, we got other people carrying it with us. I got a staff, I got a DFT team, we got elders, we got people that are helping carrying the burden. I gotta tell you what's in our bag. Some of you know over the last two years, this 24 month generosity initiative, it's been awesome. We're six months away from completion. 24 months, we got said we're gonna do this. We're six months away. We're behind. That's the burden. There's a lot of reasons why. And you know, the financial situation changed. You know what? Some of the ministry opportunities that we thought we had changed beyond our control. Some new things came in. Hey, you know what? The stock market, it crashed or it's not as good as it was or I thought it was gonna recover here. Like there's all kinds of reasons why I'm not getting into all that. All I'm saying is it's a burden. And so we're $2.5 million behind in a generosity initiative. And so what do we need to do? How do we relieve the burden? We need to catch up. And so we got the end of the year. I had to get a laugh in. And so we got to catch up. And so we got, you know, at the end of the year and the generosity initiative ends in April. So there's all kinds of time. This isn't dire straits, but we got to catch up. I mean, and then we say 2.5. That sounds like we need this. <laughs> so I'm just going to tell you right now, we need to catch up. And so it isn't something that just you can do or I can do. Now, the truth is there's some people in here, you, you've got to, you know, you could write one check that could change things for the next three months for us. You could. Not everybody's like that. But I believe that just as the Lord multiplied the loaves and the fish, he'll multiply the resource. Amen? And, and so the Lord is going to multiply the resources here. And so we need to have the Lord multiply the resources. And so let me just give you some stats. Uh, first timers, just tune out for a little bit. But 52% of you who have committed to High Point and committed to the generosity initiative, 52% are on track or ahead. Can we just praise the Lord for that? 
And that's phenomenal. And so you're helping us catch up. 54 households have given more than they said they would give in the amount of, if you total those up, over $250,000. Can we praise the Lord? I mean, if, if we just had, you know, do the math, that's five, nearly five grand for each person that's giving more. Hey, I'm not saying you gotta give five grand more, but at the end of the year, praying through, what can you do? It will help us catch up. If 52%, I know you're not a math major and I don't, you don't have a finance degree like me, but if 52% of the people are behind, what does that mean, or ahead, what does that mean for the people that are behind? 48%. So 48% are behind and that's what's causing some issues. And so a lot of the people are saying to themselves, well, I'm waiting to the end of the year, I'm giving it a big chunk and, and people have told me that in March and, and then I'm like, but we need it now. And, and there's a lot of things. People have left and they've moved. And I just got to please just hear me on this. Like I've had people sit down with me and say, you know what, pastor, I'm, I'm not going to give to the church for the next year because I had a commitment. I made a commitment. I want my yes to be yes. And my no to be no. I'm brand new to High Point. And, but I made a commitment to a, a, a giving campaign at my old church and I'm going to be faithful. And you know what I always say? Praise the Lord for that. That is so good and righteous. But you know what? Like sometimes we'd like to see that coming back. You know what I'm saying? And so if you moved away or you made a commitment or you did this, and I know we release people all the time, but, but, but you gotta get before the Lord and ask him, Lord, what do you have me to do? And so we've got some great opportunities here in the year end. I believe the Lord's gonna catch us up. We're trusting God for a million dollars over a million dollars in December. Can we just praise the Lord for a big goal that we're gonna do it, man. December's always the big year or always the big month that carries every church, carries every exempt organization. Hey, you're new. We don't shy away from talking about money. You know why? Because it's about generosity. And we've been talking about the fact that God's got to do something in us before he does something through us. And so we want him to be God to work through us, but he's got to work in us. And so it's really, really important. So, you know, a great thing, there's new people. Do you know that on a monthly, since we started this initiative, monthly, we've, over the last 18 months, we've had 491 new givers, first-time givers. Can we praise the Lord for that? I mean, that's phenomenal. That means that we're averaging 27 new givers a month. Join the club. Join the crowd, because it's going to help us catch up. That's what we're asking as we close out this year, November and December are months to catch up. Make sense? Hey, where's that in the Bible? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Luke Galatians chapter six. Interesting, notice this. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Now grasp that for a moment. What that means is that those who receive the ministry, are you receiving ministry right now? Then you gotta support the ministry. See, people think this all the time. They ask me, they go, oh, you got some rich uncle or something in Cleveland, Ohio? Is he supporting all this? No. It's the people in the seats, man. It's the people who've been ministered to. It's the people who've been blessed and they are blessing with others. That that's what the Lord does. He uses it. And so Paul makes it clear. And then he uses an agricultural example. And he says, do not be deceived. God is not to be mocked if... You don't believe what Paul is saying 
and people didn't believe it in the church of the day he was writing to. Mocked means literally to stub your nose at. Mocked means literally that, that what? That I'm going to look down upon. Mocked, it means in the Greek language to make fun of. That's what you're doing to God when you don't believe in generosity. You're mocking him. And so Paul gives the agricultural example. He says, for what are one sows that he's going to reap? That means if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. That means if we sow, if we sow generously, we're going to do what? We're going to reap generously. And so it's financially as well as all kinds of other ways in biblical principles. Hey, you were out too late last night and you had too much to drink and you were partying all hard and you got up this morning, you had an extra hour of sleep and you still said, oh my gosh, I can't, I gotta stop doing this, I can't do this. You, whatever you sow, you reap. And that's the consequence. But he's using an example here financially. You'll love this, put it up on the screen because just as you can't plant corn and expect to grow green beans, you can't be a Scrooge and expect to be blessed. You just can't. I mean, you can't do it. So let's end with this on this little section. God's blessing. So thankful for the so many who give regularly here at High Point. These are some verses that are important. They've been ones that I've learned from. Proverbs chapter three. Proverbs chapter three says, if we could put that on the screen, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. That means God doesn't like leftovers. He wants the first cut. And, and he says, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What's that a picture of? It's a picture of blessing. And so God wants to bless us. God wants to bless our church. God wants to bless the people around us through the ministries that we are ministering to. And God does it through our generosity. Generosity discipleship. That's what we've been teaching. And so let's just keep faithful. Sound good? Yes. Next way that we can do what? we can bless. Well, keep doing good works, man. I mean, we got to just keep doing good works. And if we keep doing good works for people, then what? Their load's going to be lightened. They can carry it. And, and we're all going to be living harmony. Is that what happens? Well, kind of. I mean, that's what Paul's saying. Look what he says that we're to do. And let us not grow weary of doing good because sometimes we get tired of doing good. You've been pouring into a couple, you've been helping someone, and you know what? They return back. Am I speaking truth? And they, you know, like, like but we can't grow weary. And we got so many people here that call High Point their home, and they're doing such good thing. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So we got to persevere in being nice to that neighbor that's not nice to you. You got to persevere in dealing with that boss that may not have this much respect for you as he or she needs to have. You gotta endure, you gotta keep going, keep doing good. I like to think of it as the Old Testament verses, Paul quotes them in Romans, reap some coals, some burning potholes on people's heads. It's just a picture of I'm gonna bless you whether you bless me or not. That's what Paul's talking about. And so he says, let us do good to everyone. Who's everyone? That's everyone you lock eyes on. Believer, non-believer. But then I love this, especially to those of the household of faith, especially to the person sitting in your section, especially to the person sitting in your row, especially to the person sitting next to you, especially for our churches, to the communities that we're around. Yes, those are what? Everyone, but we gotta take care of our own. That's what Paul's saying. 
And so there's needs that are here. That's why we have a care center. That's why we expanded our care centers. In two weeks, they're gonna open up. They got the mayor coming. They got every official that's somebody in Monmouth, Illinois. And they're all coming to celebrate this, you know. And, but it's a great thing because we're able to reach out and not only care for everyone in the community, but especially to those of the household of faith. And don't lose chapter six. Paul's saying, God will bless those who restore the brothers and sisters in Christ when they've fallen. God will bless those who do good and work hard and do good and do not grow weary of doing good to the people around them no matter how they respond. Especially to the household of faith. That's what I love about our church. I love that we want to do good to one another. And if you're not, haven't been on the other end of that, I'm just telling you, you're missing something. Because we get involved in relationships, in community, and we can help each other to do good and make an impact for the gospel. Amen? Amen. One word to illustrate it. Part of our Limitless Initiative. Stateville. One word. We're doing good to the household of God. Doing good. I'm telling you, we were there last month. 150 um, guys came to our service. 15 of the guys were baptized. This is some of the burdens and some of the things that they're carrying. This is how we're helping them. Faithful men go there every week to do a service. It'll happen today. This is what one of them said when I was there. God spoke to me by saying to me that no matter how many left turns I make in my life, he's gonna be waiting for me, a sinner who's saved from, with a savior. Can we praise God for that? We ask people, how did God use this service today? How's God using our church there in a prison? God spoke to me through the brothers as they supported me in my baptism. Praise God and all that he does and lives in, in, in lives of, of more men to further the faith of others here inside the walls. Another person's praying for their daughter to get reconnected to God. I miss her, it's been three years. We're caring for the burdens of the family. This is difficult. Very difficult. This is where you gotta just, this, this is, these are the men we're ministering to. Today marks 19 years since my entire life changed. 19 years ago today, I took my ex-girlfriend's life, devastating so many other lives. God has transformed my life though over the last 19 years. And I'm saying to him that I can be released from my past and that I need to turn to him and that I can be made new. That, that's what we're seeing, guys. Don't have time. Got a, got a bunch of other ones. Uh, my point is this. Let's do good to everyone, especially to those in the household of faith. Fifth thing is this. Got to keep resisting legalism. And so remember, that's the whole context. If you're new with us, you're online, you're checking us out. We're walking through the book of Galatians, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, word by word. It's all about confronting legalism. And so that's what Paul's doing. And he does it next. He, this is, I love this because Paul's like, he's at the end of the letter and he goes, see what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. And so he's saying, hey, my assistant isn't doing this. I'm doing it. I, 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 and so he's getting ready to slap him upside the head one more time about legalism and about adding things to the gospel. We've talked about circumcision and we've talked about all kinds of things and all these other things we add to the gospel, the, the, the laws and the, all these things these guys were trying to do. And so let's do a little review. 
False gospel is what? False gospel is Jesus plus anything equals nothing. That's legalism. Jesus plus anything. Good works. Um, giving. Financially. Uh, serving. All that. It's Jesus plus anything equals nothing. What's the true God? That's legalism. What's the true gospel? Hey man, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I don't have to add anything to the gospel. I can't, if, and if I think that I am, then what I'm really saying is Jesus's death on the cross was not enough. I mean, just saying that I'm expecting the lightning bolt to strike. I mean, his death was enough. And so Jesus plus nothing equals everything. How many have experienced that? Give me a praise. That, that's the truth. And so don't, don't, don't buy into this. You know, that's why we did this series. Don't buy into this works driven. It's what I do. No, it's about what Jesus has done. Don't buy into this guilt ridden. It's about how do I know if I've ever done enough? You never know if you've done enough. You're on a, a, a treadmill of good works. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. We're not done, so don't close your Bibles. But this might be the most important person for someone. I, I can't finish this book and this message without a clear ask, an opportunity to respond to the gospel. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. I'm not gonna ask you to walk up front. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to look at me, nothing. And the reason is, let me teach a little theology with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, that some people do that, it's, it's okay. We do that too. But some people want the response. They wanna reap immediately the response of a decision for Christ. Here at High Point, we believe that you don't have to do that immediately. Yes, you'll have to go public sometime. We believe the biblical way is the picture of baptism, amen? That that's the opportunity. And when you hear all the time baptisms in tank of people, oh, I got saved three months ago. We heard it today from a woman who got saved here in the church who, who was following a different religion and said, I want Jesus. And so baptism is a great place. So I, you don't have to do anything, just in your own heart. And if you are a follower of Christ who have believed in the true gospel, then just start praying for the person, the few people that need to make the same decision you did. And I'm just gonna give you a chance. If, if you, you're like, this is so clear. I, 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 it's not about what I do. It's about what Christ has done. Let me just ask you a couple questions. And if you can affirm these questions I'm, and you affirm in your heart today, then I believe you're a follower of Christ, that you're making a decision. Decide today. Today is the day. Let me ask you this. Do you admit that you're a sinner? That, that you've, you've fallen short of God's goodness and his standard? I mean, that's not hard for me. If it's hard for you, I mean, honestly, there's something else going on. Admit it, yes. Believe, be that, that God sent his son Jesus to the cross to die for you and he raised on the third day and you can raise to new life. His forgiveness is available to you, amen? And see, confess that Jesus is my only hope for salvation because it's not about what I do. It's about what's been done. And so his death on the cross, if you believe that, believe just in Jesus, that he was a real person, that he really died, that confess him as your savior and Lord, even if you don't know what that looks like, can you say yes to that? And then D, declare that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the only hope for salvation, that he is seated at the right hand of God, that he wants to live his life through you right now. Declare that in your own spirit. Don't let any distraction get in the way. You say, well, I don't know if I want to make that decision. Well, what's holding you back? Like, what is holding you back right now? Make the decision right now. Father, I pray 
I pray for those here that are wrestling and that, God, that's from you. And that they would affirm those decisions and answer those questions. And that they would embrace you for who you are and what you've done. And if you've done that, you're a follower of Jesus, believing in the true gospel. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. Let's praise God for trusting him that somebody got saved in this place. And so, so that's what the book's all about. And so, so somebody, you know, online, here, like, like that's what it is, the true gospel. How do we receive more blessing? Well, we got to resist legalism. And then the next couple things, we got we to do this. The next one is this, we got to keep boasting in the cross. And we got to boast in the cross. Let me just tell you, we're not about anything but Jesus here at High Point. We're not about the name of the church. We're not about the name of the ministries. We're not about the name of the pastors. We're not about anybody else's name but Jesus. We want to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, we're not about a brand. We're not about a band. We're about none of those things. It's all about Jesus. That's what we're about. Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead, who is alive and here today. That's what Paul says. That's what we need to say. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in anything but the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then look what he says, to grasp this fully in your own life, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So you have killed the world. You have declared it dead to you. That what? That the world is dead to you and you are dead to it. I know it's a struggle. We've talked about it. But that is the truth. I will boast in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. What do you need to crucify to become blessed? What is it? Is it a spirit of what? I don't know, judgment. Is it a, a spirit? Is it a bad attitude? Is it, what exactly is it? Is it a, a habit that has turned into something that is controlling you? It, what is it? Crucify it and give the credit to Jesus. Lastly, what do we need to do? We're going to call the worship team up. We've got to keep looking at Jesus, man. That, that's it. We've got to keep looking to Jesus. And Paul, he says it so best. I mean, look what he says next. He says this, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He's not saying, hey, look at my cross tattoo on my wrist. He's not saying, hey, look at this. Look at, I got a great verse on my arm. He, he's not saying that. He bears the marks. Five times he received 39 lashes in the back. Three times he was shipwrecked. Three other times he was beaten with rods. I mean, he went through everything. He bears the marks of the gospel of Christ. And don't miss it. Last sentence. Just like the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was with me and my spirit, no matter what you're going through today, God wants to bless you. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is in you. He wants to make his work known to you. He wants to make himself real to you. So I'm gonna ask us to stand. And so these are the seven ways to multiply God's blessing. And so just like in the series we've been talking about, these are about what we need to do. And so we're going to close with an opportunity for you to think about what you need to do to maximize the blessing of Almighty God in your life. So let's turn them into questions.
We've been doing this each week. Take a look at these questions. And when you're done looking at them, I'm gonna trust that God is gonna lay one on your heart. Maybe one or two. All you type A personalities, don't say all of them. But what is it that God's speaking to you when you're done and you have it? Just bow your head and pray to the Lord and ask him to speak to you and then join us in worship. Do you got it? Once you have it, put your head down. Just ask the Lord to move. Father, I invite your spirit to move.